Lights, camera, action. Hello, Internet, and welcome to Table Reads, the podcast where we take scripts that have never been filmed and read them so that you might experience the joy of terrible writing that Hollywood has tried to deny you. Your hosts on this tour of unproduced dreck are Sean McBee and me, Trevor Thompson, who have written enough terrible nonsense together and apart that it should keep this show running forever. Forever and ever and ever and ever. And speaking of... uh Dear God. Running forever. What? Uh, I'm actually dancing to this music. I can't help it. It's so good. It's it's a it's a jazzy fun time kind of uh, record. Uh, Way so to this go, episode YouTube. seven. Is that right? What? Is this episode seven? This is episode seven. Well done, Sean. Well done. Kind of lost track. We've been marathoning them so much. It's uh, hard to keep track. Well, you know. We are uh, we're up to number seven, and uh, we stopped at the last episode uh, at a point where we literally lost our shit, laughing at. Uh, no, so, we went quite a bit past losing our shit. Well, no, no. In terms of l- laughter, in terms of just laughing, we we lo- we laughed so fucking hard. I even announced, I even announced it as being the hardest I'd ever laughed on any podcast ever. Um, yeah, no, I, I know what you're referring to, but we read way past that part. Uh yeah, no, no, it was it wasn't too far. It was it was about five pages, but uh, it was toward the end, and uh, where we left it was that uh, the character of Nikon, my would be character, uh, was uh, being asked to be considered and taken seriously by Norman uh, to Sterling. You know, he's a good guy. Give him a. Yeah, Norman was telling Sterling to give Nikon right. a shot. Correct. I don't. Did we think that we were writing characters that would be likable? We thought that yes. Or we, did we? Did we care? Did we? No. Did we put any thought into like our characters should be likable because you can't sit for two hours and watch characters that you hate. No, that's putting too much thought into it. We didn't put that much thought into it. I think we were. We thought. Here's what it does. We were in most people's movies the unlikable guys. And so we wrote a movie where we were the hyper real wanting to be versions of the the asshole guys. So, you know, I don't think we even gave her characters any thought. I think what we did was we we thought conflict equals story. So let's just throw conflict at them. That's certainly. But then we didn't even define conflict as anything decent. It's just like, oh, they have girl problems of various types. Yeah. And and filled in so uh, so so poorly, you know. I mean, we did we did a better job than uh, than Tommy Wiseau did with the room, but it is the same kind of thing you see where it's like, okay, I understand enough about screenwriting that I have to have this conflict, I have to have this kind of thing happen here. How do I do that? And it's just like, okay, I I I know what the structure is now. How do I fill it up? And it's like. We didn't know enough about. First of all, we were what eighteen to like twenty four in all versions of the script. We'd barely lived life, you know. Yeah. And uh, and I think that at one point we were writing them as older than we were at the time. Um, yeah, I think I said something about mid twenties in this. Mm-hmm. 
in this draft yeah, like uh, because I was considering like, oh, well, it'll probably be two years before we get to film it. Yeah, <laughs> I like that. That's very optimistic. <laughs> it'll take us two years to. Man, that yeah. was pessimistic for us at the time because we were delusional as fuck. We didn't that know that said, then. Let's jump back into the shit. <laughs> I was drinking. So where we left off, Norman has gone over to Sterling's place for reasons I can't remember to look for Nikon. He thought Nikon was there. He's with and yeah. this is before and, the days of cell phones. And he it was before the days of us having cell phones and therefore our characters having cell phones. Well, because I just read something from uh, uh, high school. Yeah, Zach Morris had a cell phone in the early 90s. I just read something from high school where I wrote a character with a cell phone. Oh, really? Yeah. Um, Did we know somebody with a cell phone? Not at that time, I don't think. But uh, anyway, he went there to find Nikon, who was not there. And he's like, hey, you should uh do him hear him out and really think about what he says he's a good guy and she's like i know i know he is and then we cut to right now fade in interior norman and nikon's apartment day nikon comes in staggering slightly and looking bleary-eyed he walks into his room and puts catcher in the rye on a shelf and picks out gravity's rainbow he looks at his bed as if he's in love with it looks down at his book Back to the bed, then back to his... He's making a decision between the bed and the book, you see. And we were going to film that. Yeah. He nods and heads into the living room, sits on the couch, and opens the book. Cut to interior, Michelle's studio, day. Michelle is in boxers and a paint-splattered white t-shirt. She's painting on a large canvas, though what she is painting can't be seen. She makes large brushstrokes while Jackie by the Dolly Rots blasts on the radio. I did not remember that. She steps aside, revealing the painting. To who? To us. To the camera, I guess. Oh, okay. It is the small figure of a man floating naked in a sea of flame, which is erupting from a gaping vagina below him. Oh, for God's sake. She observes the painting for a moment before dipping her brush in paint and signing the painting in the corner. There you go, Norman. You're immortal, and your battle continues. <laughs> <laughs> Cut to interior, Sterling's apartment, day. Norman and Sterling are sitting on the couch, looking much more at ease than before. For some reason. <laughs> <laughs> this is your version, by the way. Keith, we need to remind people that this is your your draft of two versions previous. And today you said to me on was on Facebook, was it? Like where you're like, we should have done your version because it's crappier, your second version. Yeah. Your version, you mean. My version. Me. I was yeah. quoting you saying. Yeah. Um pronoun trouble. But this is certainly uh this is certainly bad. Yes. Yes. But Anyway, I, I mean, I feel like at least the dialogue reads. It still sucks, dude. That whole fucking. I never, I'm not saying it doesn't suck. <laughs> I'm just saying that, like, the other version. It flows a little better. It's it. The other version is in like a special realm of suck. 
Like the seventh level of suck. You know what? I got it right here. Maybe we can do a little later on. We can do like a scene match or something. Yeah, that'd be great. We'll do that as an addendum after we finish this one. Okay. So, um. All right. Oh, Sterling. Okay, that's who I am. It's really been forever since you and I hung out at all. I know. It has to have been since high school. It hasn't been that long. Last time I remember really. (laughs) Cut. Take mine. Last time I remember really hanging out with you was right before Nikon and I dropped out. We went over to your house and your friend was there. What friend? Um, black hair, green eyes. Norman makes the international hand gesture that means big boobs. Danielle. Yeah. I remember. You kept trying to fool her into grabbing your crotch. In unison. Help Help me me brush brush these these crumbs crumbs off. off. (laughs) They fall into laughter. Reguiling and yes. We have hung out since then, though. When? You, Nikon, and I all went to the county fair, and you decided that the big prize pig was a ride, and you got us all kicked out. Oh, my God. That was you that was hanging out with us? I've been trying to figure that out forever. Oh, thanks. No, you don't understand. I was so fucked up that for about six months, I was convinced that Nikon and I had been hanging out with R.E.M. that day. Oh, that's actually funny. <laughs> that's actually good. The whole band? <laughs> yeah. This just turned into a jet boot sketch. <laughs> Come on, read the read the directions. I said yeah. yeah I know, and then you have to read oh, the directions, dummy. I have to read the directions. Dude, you did Hey, f- hey everybody, did- I want you to know that every time that I think that I'm wrong, that I'm right, I mean, I'm I'm usually wrong. By the way, dude, you fucking you 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 fumbled through three fucking episodes of this script where there's these long pauses after the last word of dialogue and then you go, "Oh, oh, Sterling puts her head in her hands." <laughs> I, know. I know. Do you not want to do the directions? the direction. <laughs> do you not want to do it? <laughs> no, I, I want to do it. I got this. All right. Get it together, okay. man. Come on. We've already done three. Sterling puts her head in her hands and laughs. Norman checks his watch. <laughs> 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 Is Salacious Crumb there too? Yes, I wanted to. Sound, I wanted to. <laughs> I wanted to sound like that guy on that fucking uh, Gorillas record, Doctor Feelgood or whatever it is. Starling puts her head in her hands and laughs. Norman checks his watch. Well, on that note, I think I'd better try to find a Nikon. To find a Nikon? <laughs> Just go to the camera store, stupid. <laughs> okay, have fun. And stop by again, okay? Will do. They hug, and Norman leaves. Cut to interior, Norman and Nikon's apartment, day. Nikon is still on the couch, his head tilted back and his mouth open in a quiet snore. Gravity's rainbow is in his lap, one limp hand on top of it, keeping it open. The record player is emitting a rhythmic scratching noise as the needle goes around the blank space before the label. Thank you, Foley Master Trevor. You're welcome. The door opens and Norman enters. Punk, where have you been? Nikon jumps and drops his book. What? I'm just reading. You're reading porn? No. Pension. Why? You're drooling. 
Oh. Nikon hastily wipes his mouth. Norman goes and takes the record off the turntable, puts it in his sleeve, and puts it on the coffee table. Why do I need to write like every single yes. little thing that anyone is ever doing? <laughs> the robot motions. <laughs> <laughs> My God. Oh, here's an inspired piece of dialogue. Oh, I guess I fell asleep. You think? Let's get some food. I spent all afternoon looking for your ass. I'm hungry. Food. Nikon stands up and they head to the door. Yes, food. And what's that thing by the door called? Fuck you. No, I'm afraid it's called a picture. They leave. Cut to interior, Michelle's studio. Late afternoon. Michelle is stacking paintings of various sizes against walls while talking on the phone. Well, I've got about 30 pieces that we can put out this time. She stops as she comes across her painting of Nikon. She moves it to the side and puts a not for sale card on it. Trevor, shut up. I know why you're laughing. Just shut up. You didn't hear what I said? No. Okay. When I talk, it cuts you out. Uh, it's the way this connection works. Don't you wish them that's how it was in life? God, yes. Most of them are new. I didn't do too bad at the last show. There is one I'd like to do. I'd like to be just for show, though. It's, it's, a, it's a gift for a friend. Dot, 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 dot. Great, thanks. Hey, I have to go. I'll uh, I'll send you a list of the pieces and prices tomorrow. Okay, bye. <laughs> she grabs her keys and heads out the door. So, uh, I guess this was our go-to at the time. Yeah. Like, what jobs do girls do? They're painters. Yeah. Anyway, um, doop doop do. Interior Michelle's car. Late afternoon. <laughs> Why did you sing that like it was a jingle? <laughs> because this is our new product. Oh. Michelle's part car. Of the afternoon before it's dark. <laughs> three, summer three. Michelle's car. Late afternoon. Michelle is driving and singing along to This Crush by the Dolly Rots. What the fuck? Is the Dolly Rots the only band in this universe? Yes. Other than REM? And uh, John Lennon. And John Lennon. Yeah, I forgot. <laughs> forgot about that major plot point we had there. <laughs> um, spoilers. Not, not many I people guess. can forget about John Lennon. I'm I'm good at stuff. Uh, uh, singing along to this crush by the Dolly Rods. She pulls up and parks at Randall's Grill. Exterior: Norman and Icon's apartment. Late afternoon. Michelle knocks on the door. When there is no answer, she knocks again. When there is still no answer, she tries the knob and opens the door. Interior, Norman and Icon's apartment, late afternoon. Michelle pokes her head in the door. Nike? She walks in and closes the door behind her, because that's what you do when nobody's home. Norman? I swear if you guys jump out and scare me, I'm going to kill you, because they're cliched fucking <laughs> PG fucking eight. This, is, this isn't Goonies. She sighs and sits on the couch. She then notices the John Lennon Plastic Ono Band album sitting on the coffee table. She picks it up and looks at the track listing, not noticing Norman and Nikon walk in behind her. Oh, they are going to scare her. Nikon, someone broke in to see you. Michelle <gasps> jumps. Christ. Hey, guys. The door was... It always is. Don't worry about it. Nikon gives Michelle a hug. Hey, Shell. Hey, I saw this on the table... 
would it be okay if I put it on? <laughs> I'm sorry, dude. It's the fucking dot, dot, dot. <laughs> oh, sure. Not too loud, okay? I'm going to take a nap for a while. Yeah, it is the middle of the day, and I am 25, so. <laughs> Guy fucking sleeps and eats, and that's it. <laughs> All he ever does. No, he mopes, too. Don't, don't. <laughs> he mopes and writes. He does things that are one syllable and have an S at the end. Oh, sleeps, yes. eats, mopes, writes. I'm going to take a nap for a while. No problem. Michelle goes to the record player and cues up a song as Norman heads to his room. Just as he's getting ready to close his door, he notices that the song is love, and he goes back out to the living room. Michelle is sitting on the floor, a huge smile on her face. As John starts singing, she sings along. A smile creeps on Norman's face, and he watches her sing along. Oh, fuck you. So the whole thing is that, like, this is, she loves this thing, too. She loves this, and that's, like... Does Norman like see her for who she is or something? I don't. <laughs> I don't know. Let's see. Ah, fuck me! Please don't let um, that be this. That would. Nikon sees how Norman is looking at Michelle and retreats into his room unnoticed by the others. Oh fuck off! Michelle opens her eyes and looks up, seeing Norman standing there. She smiles a little nervously. I love this song. Yeah, you know all the words. I, can I just say? Can I just say? In your draft of the screenplay for this scene, oh God. you you wrote out all the words. Oh, really? With big spaces and dots. Of course. Why wouldn't you? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know all the words. Yeah, I do. It's probably one of the best love songs ever written. <laughs> I'm so mad because I know where this is going. Oh, and I haven't man. read it in forever. God damn. Damn it. Hold hey, on. maybe we'll surprise you. Uh, why? It'll surprise me. It'll be good. Yes. Maybe it's going to be like a big twist. Maybe we saw that we were being cliched and we're like, fuck, left turn. Who knows? Go anyway. Read your line. Oh, okay. Hold on. Where am I? I'm, I opened up the uh, the paper version to see if it was shitty. I was looking for my fucking. <laughs> All right. Uh, where are we? Michelle's second line on page 61. Her second line? She says, I love this song. I sit, Norman says, yeah, you know all the words. Oh, and we're doing says, that again? Yes, because you said it badly. I don't want to say that. I thought you said I said it badly. <laughs> I love this song. Yeah, you know all the words. I do. Probably one of the best love songs ever written. Norman sits down next to her. His eyes move over her as if seeing her for the first time. Oh, my God. (laughs) Oh, God. I think I'd have to agree. Their eyes meet as love gently fades out. They just look at one another like that. Small smiles on their face until well, well, well starts. The record skipping the first chord over and over again. This breaks the spell. Yeah, fuck you guys. <laughs> the cord. Well, I guess I better take that nap. Norman stands and helps Michelle up. Now, where did Nikon get to? There's only one place he could go, stupid. <laughs> Read your line again. Now, where did Nikon get to? Nikon, get out here and stop being rude. You have company. Like, oh. Oh, Nikon. <laughs> we both made the same mistake. <laughs> 
Nikon comes out. Yeah, this out. script is full of them. <laughs> <laughs> Nikon comes out, peeking around the corner for a second first. What were you doing in there? I was... Um... Jacking off. The group erupts into brief laughter. Ha 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 ha! <laughs> <laughs> Wait, we need to both do that so it sounds like it. Okay. <laughs> so, wait, read the directions first. The group erupts into brief laughter. <laughs> it's brief, but they erupted into it. <laughs> Norman, you know I can't jack off anymore. Oh, why not? Because we threw away all the good pictures of your mom. Oh, burn. After another burst of laughter, Norman flips Nike on the bird and goes <laughs> to this- <laughs> are we still going to perk later? I don't see why not. Good. Bring your friend. Why? Condescending. I know, dude. It's the douchiest shit ever. (laughs) Bring your friend. Bring your friend. Suddenly I notice she has the boobs. (laughs) Bring your friend like she's in the room. Why, Norman, an official invite to a public place? You are too gracious, my lord. She bows low. Norman smiles. Yes, definitely bring her. I'm going to sleep. He closes the door. Michelle turns to Nikon. Let's go. Where? I was thinking the park. Nikon shrugs. They leave. I'll read Michelle now since Norman's out of the picture. Cut to exterior park. Late afternoon. That late afternoon just keeps hanging around. (laughs) Nikon and Michelle are sitting on a bench beside a lake. Sky a small rockets in flight, late afternoon delight. Should I just go? You want to leave? Nikon and Michelle are sitting on a bench beside a lake, a small brown paper bag between them. <laughs> they take breadcrumbs out of the bag and toss them to the ducks as they talk. Oh my god, is this the thing about like where she gets mad that the duck won't eat her fucking bread and that's like a metaphor? <laughs> I hope not. I I don't know what you're talking about. Good. Maybe that's just my version that it's in here. So it looks like everything's set for my show next week. Are you going to be there? If you want me to be, I guess. Way to be supportive, Nikon. (laughs) I guess if I have to. (laughs) You'd better be there with bells on. I'm going to need you for emotional support. So no disappearing halfway through the show. (laughs) Who is he, bad girl? Okay. And what's the deal with the disappearing and leaving me all alone with Norman? That was uncomfortable. Nikon <laughs> smiles it was, widely. It was uncomfortable for us to read. <laughs> yeah. Nikon smiles widely. Aw, you loved it. Don't add in the awe. Sorry, but it was. I saw him, like, you know, turning his head. Okay, as long as it's acting and not spicing up. No, no, no. I wouldn't dream of it. I read it again. You loved it. Whatever. Why did you hide in your room? I mean, you should have seen the way he looked at you when you started singing that song. What do you mean? Uh, There was just something in his eyes. He has jaundice. (laughs) He has jaundice. (laughs) That's Uh, not eye-related, but go ahead. Yeah, it is, because his eyes get yellow. Uh, There was just something in his eyes. He doesn't look at girls like that. (laughs) 
he doesn't look at girls like that. I've never uh, known a girl that likes the same song as me before. <laughs> He's usually into dudes, but he doesn't look at girls like that. I'm not saying he suddenly fell in love or anything, but there was something there. He was probably tired and trying to focus his eyes. Because people do that when they're Nik- tired. Nikon rolls his eyes. You never know. The time could be coming. You know... I really thought that it would come when Kristen first cheated on him. It should have. I fantasized the whole scenario. I'd go over to see him, and he'd be depressed because bitch whore doesn't know what she has, and we'd talk, and I'd make him laugh, and then he'd kiss me, and the story unfolds from there. You only fantasize up to the first kiss? It's the best point. It's the hardest part of any relationship to reach. If you have one of those classic first kisses where both people look at... Who's writing this? Nora Ephron? <laughs> That's what I was thinking. Is this is Meg Ryan playing Michelle? Dude, you loved yourself a fucking good romantic comedy in the day. And that's kind of why we like, you know, Chasing Amy, really, because it was a romantic comedy that we could get into, you know. But still, as I was reading this, literally, like, I started seeing Meg Ryan's face. <laughs> and And her real face, not the one she has now with her fucking duck lips. Yeah, I don't know what she looks like, probably because she doesn't look like her. No. She probably looks like Antonio Banderas now. Well, no, because at least then she'd still be sexy. Ah, yes. Like me. Like me. Like me. (laughs) You've got your mother's hair. Uh, uh, If you have one of those classic first kisses where both people look into each other's eyes and the kiss is a mutual thing that serendipitously happens at that moment, then you know the rest of the story. People don't have a kiss like that and not end up together. I mean, I guess we're just fantasizing for different reasons. She laughs and hits his arm. Oh, you. (laughs) Besides, that time may be here. I still don't know if he... What? I still don't know if he's dumped Kristen. Okay. I still don't know if he's dumped Kristen, but he sure as hell seems happy today. Can I ask you a question? Michelle nods. Why Norman? Michelle thinks for a moment. I'd like to know that too, actually. (laughs) Yeah, I've been wondering that myself. (laughs) Why Yoko Ono? She's a witch. Actually, that's a good answer. Why, why Yoko Ono? Why does anyone fall in love with someone irredeemably awful? And I love how she follows up Yoko Ono. Okay, I'm just going to read this because it's so great. With Ava Braun. <laughs> why Yoko Ono? Why Ava Braun or Juliet or even Sterling? I don't know. There are just some things we can't control. <laughs> I'm sorry. I wrote this. I was like, Yoko, Ava Braun, yeah. Juliet, they're all comparable. <laughs> yes. One one broke up the Beatles. One fucked the guy that broke up, fucking tried Europe. to break up the Jews. And one was a fictional character. <laughs> and then there was Sterling. And she's just some bitch with an apartment. <laughs> yeah, that's all we know about her. Literally, that's all we know. 
And we know that she has a southern accent because that's how I read her. And we also, yeah, right. Because <laughs> yeah, she sounds like Blanche from Golden Girls. And we also know, <laughs> we also know that no one can, Norman and her can't agree as to when they hung out together. Yeah. <laughs> that's about it. <laughs> we also know that she is REM. Oh, yeah, that's right. She sings shiny happy people. Yes. She's she's not a fat woman, but for some reason Norman can mistake her for an entire band. <laughs> That's some good acid, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> um there's just some things we can't control. If we could control them, do you think the two of us would be sitting here each in love with someone who doesn't feel the same when it would be really when it would really make sense just to love each other? Okay. But what is it about him that you love? Well, he's funny. He's smart. He's kind of cute. You wrote this, definitely. <laughs> he's kind of cute. And he doesn't seem to really... Yeah, because if you wrote it, it'd be like, well, he seems like he could really fill my pussy out with his gigantic cock. <laughs> well, he's funny. He's smart. I like to joke back in the day that Sean had a baby arm for a dick. He's kind of cute. And he doesn't seem to really care what anyone thinks about him. He just is who he is and screw you if you don't like it. You're a bit like that too, sitting there quietly judging the world. What do you mean? I mean that clearly I needed another fucking paragraph of dialogue. So you say your four sentence line. Yeah. Oh, God. Sorry. Sometimes I... I just wanted to be able to sit there, you know, and and watch Mia Kirshner act without having to remember a bunch of dialogue. So, a pretty, pretty, <laughs> pretty lady. I want to do a scene where I fall asleep in your lap, and by lap I mean vagina. I would never fall if I was in her vagina. The last thing I would do is fall asleep. That's true, I guess. Sometimes I like to just watch you and try to figure out what you're thinking. Creep. <laughs> While you're asleep, you know. <laughs> uh, figure out what you're thinking. Most of the time, I figure that you're looking at everyone that walks by and judging them in some small way. And I see you listening to people's conversations for no reason other than the fact that they can't keep their voices down. And every so often... Your lips will twist into a little sneer because you can't bear to be on the same planet with people so insipid. Then the sneer turns into a little impish smile because you're thinking about how they have no idea how goddamn stupid they are. Oh my god, dude. How badly did I want a girl to think that about me? (laughs) Uh, Nikon just stares at her for a second. That whole paragraph she just said, though, that's something that you and I definitely had in common at the time. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, I have a line. Um, uh, now I have... Uh, oh, Nikon just stares at her for a second. No one's ever read me so perfectly before. Sean. <laughs> I think I like it. Michelle smiles, and Nikon leans in and kisses her. She is surprised at first, but returns the kiss. The kiss is short-lived, and they back up. Oh, shit. Didn't see that coming. They never kissed in my versions. Didn't they? No, I don't think well, so. Well, of course they did, Trevor. You were casting Mia Kirshner, <laughs> and I was the only one that was going to get to make out with her? Honestly, I don't. I really do think that we didn't. I don't think we did that in my versions. 
I'll have to reread it, but I'm I'm pretty positive. I'm glad to have surprised you. Hmm. I have uh, no memory of them ever kissing. Short-lived, they back up and look at one another. You know those serendipitous kisses you were talking about a minute ago? Yeah. I don't think that was one of them. No. She puts her hand on his. We'd make a convenient couple, but not a real one. You know, I actually think uh, this is probably one of the best parts of the script so far. Because, like, that's the way it is sometimes. Is it? Sometimes two people, like, everyone says they should be dating, but the spark just isn't there. Dude. But Nikon should have been like, that was amazing. We should try the sex part and see how that sparks. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, look, you don't, you don't buy the car based on sitting in it. You drive it. Sitting in it is the kiss. Driving it is sex in this metaphor, folks. Unless you get stuck in it. So, yeah, well, Sean made a very good point, and I was trying to help. Um, we'd make a convenient couple, but not a real one. It's like a sick practical joke. Two lonely single people who would be perfect together but have no feelings for one another. That's us. Victims of a joke made by a god neither of us believes in. Amen. Cut to Bullshit. Cut to title card. Someone infiltrated my path of electrical pain. That is not a lyric, by the way. I don't know why that's there. Cut to exterior perk night. Norman, Nikon, and Michelle are sitting at a table. At an outside table. At an outside table. Because exterior didn't get that across. (laughs) Dominic comes out carrying a drink for each of them and sets them around the table. The trio are already in conversation. Oh, here's the man! Dominic Dirty Harry Goldberg. Stop. You'll make me blush. Wait, didn't I? Wasn't I doing him as dice earlier? Yes. Okay. Stop. You'll make me blush. Tell Michelle about your tough guy annex. (laughs) Oh, come off it. Please? All right, hold on. I have to get it. I have to get in character. He turns around and does the readjusting thing that comic impersonators seem to find necessary before turning into Jack Nicholson. Which, by the way, Dice did, so it's perfect. Dom tells the best stories. Dominic turns around, his brow low and mouth turned down, looking as much like an Australopithecus as humanly possible. He switches between this and a haughty face as he impersonates both Steve and Norman. The latter in a snobbish British accent. Wait, he's doing Norman in a, as a British accent? Yeah. Okay. Snobby and British. Hey, you Norman? Why, no good, dear sir. I am but a humble coffee patron attempting to That's enjoy... That's not a British accent. No, but I'm doing Dice, how Dice would do a British accent. No, don't do it. Just read it the way Dominic's doing it. Like, like... No, yes. I know I how to do it. I just wanted to see how long you'd let me do it like that. You Norman? Why, no, dear sir. I am but a humble coffee patron attempting to enjoy the evening. Me am Thag. Congratulations. You win a cruise for two back to your table. Thag fuck girl. Oh, oh fuck girl. Thag fuck girl. 
and I'm sure we can all see your exploits on the Nature Channel. Now please, leave as your noxious breath is taking away from my enjoyment of this fine coffee as prepared by world-renowned coffee aficionado Dominic Goldberg. Tag fuck Norman's girl. Tag fuck Norman's girl. This is an outrage, sir. I demand satisfaction on the field of honor. Dominic acts as if he is jumping into the scene anew as he introduces a new character, a dashing hero type. Bombadam? Bombadam! Oh, sorry. Bombadam! Hold, Sir Norman! I shall away with this vile excuse for humanity. But lo, his friends come to his aid. No matter, I shall vanquish them all with my golden coffee spoon of righteousness. Away, vile fiends! Back to the pits of darkness from whence ye came! Lord Dominic, thou art the saviour of this realm, and in reward, maybe I'll pay off my tab before thou art withered with age and can no longer spend such a bounty. Dominic becomes his normal self once again. The day was fucking saved. The end. Norman, Nikon, and Michelle applaud, accompanied by a few people from other tables. Dominic bows low. Now, uh, about the last part of that story. Good luck. I'm broke. Uh, well, uh, can't get all, we can't all get the happy ending. He jerks off. <laughs> he goes back inside. Hey, jerk off face. How about playing your tab? <laughs> he goes back inside. Because you're a jerk off. <laughs> wow, no wonder you guys love this place. So how accurate was that rendition? <laughs> I felt like it was happening all over again. I really did. Oh, yeah. Dom has an amazing memory for detail. He does these impersonations. I swear you would think he was the real people. If there was anything I remember differently, it was due to my flawed memory. That was exactly how it went down. Right. I guess I'll have to take your word for it. <laughs> they just sit and sip their coffee for a moment. <laughs> Golden coffee spoon of righteousness. <laughs> they fall into a fit of the giggles. Norman even chokes on his coffee. Exterior. That's per- Sean patting himself Late. on the back, by the way. Yeah, it's like, oh, golden coffee spoon of righteousness. How funny is that? You know what? I bet that character thinks it's so funny. (laughs) (laughs) Exterior Uh, perk later. Norman, Nikon, and Michelle are sitting around the same table as before. Because why would would they 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 fucking move to (laughs) You remember that when we used to go to Central Park and be like, oh, dude, you guys, we've been here for an hour. It's time to play table chairs or whatever. Table chairs? Instead of musical chairs. (laughs) Musical tables. Musical tables. That's what I meant to say. (laughs) Table chairs. I'm so glad this episode's (laughs) almost over. Oh, man. Uh uh, sitting at the same table as before, except that it's barely visible beneath a stack of coffee mugs and pastry plates. There are only a few other patrons left by this time. <laughs> they are eating pastries and t- telling jokes. <laughs> <laughs> there are only a few other patrons left by this time. Most of the tables now abandoned for beds. No, no, no. Gone with the Wind should win an award for being the most overrated film of all time. I still agree with that, by the way. I do also. Yeah. What are you smoking? It's a classic. It's a classically long example of how boring a film can be. The only thing that redeems it at all is the art direction. It's just beautifully composed visually. You just hate it because everyone loves it. Not true. Anyone worth the oxygen they breathe loves Citizen Kane. Yes. And you agree? Don't get him started. 
Of course I agree. Not only does it have a great engaging story, but it's just as beautifully filmed as Gone with the Wind, even though it's not in color. In addition to that, it's probably the ballsiest film ever made. Ballsiest. Oh, yeah. It was blatantly based on William Randolph Hearst. I have no idea who that is. News. Oh. Should I be Michelle since you guys are talking? I got this. All right, Phil Henry, go for it. Oh, wait, I have a fucking. Yeah, you do. Go back to Norman's. I have no idea who that is. Newspaper magnet. At the time, he was just about the most powerful non government man in the country. And at the time, the most powerful guy in the U.S. was essentially, by default, the most powerful in the world. He owned almost 75% of the newspapers in the country. Control the media, control the public. Exactly. So Orson Welles barely disguised his name, didn't even try to disguise his occupation, and painted him as this power-hungry newspaper despot who may as well have been trying for world domination. Needless to say, it probably never saw a positive review in any American newspaper. And it bombed. Orson Welles spent the rest of his career whoring himself out to commercials and frozen peas just, just to fund his films. He always said, God, how they'll love me when I'm dead. Must be nice to be so right. You know, it's really nice out. Why don't we go for a walk? Oh, just ignore everything I just fucking said, you bitch. Yeah, right. Because it's because we burned her. <laughs> Why don't we go for a walk? Sounds nice. You guys go. I'm going to stay and get some reading done. That's a book? Christ, I thought you were hauling around a piece of the Berlin Wall. <laughs> you better start reading right now if you plan on finishing before your eyesight goes. That's the idea. Norman turns to Michelle. Shall we? Lead the way. Right, they I'll, walk off. I'll be Michelle now. You can be Michelle now, yes. Exterior, Hayden Street, night. Norman and Michelle are walking down the middle of the street, which is completely free of cars at this hour. We did that all the time. Yep. Behind them, receding in the distance, is the coffee shop. So where does this well of film knowledge come from? When you lead a lifestyle like mine, you get a lot of time for watching movies. And getting free rentals helps. You know, I've always wondered how you guys do that. You, you get people to give you stuff for free all the time. I don't. They just do. It's not like I ask or anything. I'm just personable. No, you're not. You're an asshole. That's the first thing she said. It's <laughs> been writing this whole script. No, you're not. You're an asshole. And I mean that in the sweetest possible way. No, I'm not an asshole at all. I'm an elitist snob. Huge difference. Oh, enlighten me. Th this is biographical right here. Yeah. Like, clearly. Like, the getting free shit, free rentals. Yeah. Like, that's that's this, totally us. This, Yeah, this literally is a page right out of, of our lives at the time. Yeah. We were writing what we knew. Oh, my God. How come this wasn't successful? Because our lives were not entertaining. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Matt Damon was lucky enough to know all about being a poor yet genius plus we janitor you know, plus if we were like kevin smith i mean he he was like my life's boring but i can make one entertaining day at a convenience store i can do that yeah and we were like no we need to have a whole we need to have a whole uh, uh span of time and we need to have like different locations and we need to have it take place in Pennsylvania even though we live in Florida and to be fair there's a beach Kevin had a leg up just by knowing Jay Yeah Yeah that yeah. made his life a little more interesting For Anyway uh I'm an elitist snob huge difference 
Oh, enlighten me. An asshole is an asshole to just anyone. An elitist snob is an asshole only to those who don't live up to his expectations of taste in a certain field of interest. And this gets you free stuff how? Well, elitist snobs are bound by our good taste and our hatred for the uncultured swine whose ludicrous comments we have to suffer every day. You'd be surprised how much a hatred for the phrase Travolta deserved an Oscar for face-off can bring people together. The elitist snob becomes part of a borderless community of other elitist snobs within a common field of interest, such as movies. As a member of this community, the elitist snob is privy to favoritism and favors from his brethren. And this is how you get free food at Denny's? Some sort of Denny's elitism? Oh, God, no. Chuck wants my ass. Michelle is still laughing at that comment when they come to the gates of a small graveyard. They walk in. Exterior. Graveyard. Night. The graveyard is small. A place where each tombstone has some personality, rather than a bunch of tombstones that are identical, save for the engraved stats. Norman and Michelle walk through, looking at ease. I love this place. You can come here and be sure no one's going to bother you. Most people get scared of graveyards at night. I can't think of a safer place in town. When was the last time you heard of a mugging in a graveyard? Never. It just proves that Batman was right. With great power comes great responsibility? No, that's Spider-Man. Wow, this was Batman so... was criminals are a cowardly and superstitious lot. Yeah, this that's... was this was obviously before the comic movie boom, where everybody knows those fucking yeah. But slogans. also, that is the least like like me line of dialogue in the whole thing. I'd have been like, "What? What's the fu- that's fucking Spider-Man. Everybody knows that Spider. What the fuck is wrong with you?" Yeah, that's the real line. Yeah, the real you would have scared her off, but. <laughs> Yeah, how can you even say that? (laughs) Uh, No, that's Spider-Man. Batman was, criminals are a cowardly and superstitious lot. I guess that would make more sense. Plus, this place has angels watching over it. She points to an angel statue. I feel safer already. Let's find a place to sit. They walk over and sit on a marble platform. platform, Not a marble platform. No. Because that would be Spider-Man and we're in Batman territory. The graveyard is picturesque. The light of the full moon shines down through the trees, casting lunar spotlights on various spots and leaving a large amount of the graveyard shrouded in darkness. God, look at this. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, Michelle. (laughs) God, look at this. It's so beautiful out here tonight. I think graveyards are more sad during the day. Know what I mean? Seems too bright. To really be able to rest, even if you are six feet underground. I can definitely relate. I have three sets of drapes on my windows. Ever think of sleeping at night? People actually do that? In remote regions of the world, I hear they do, yes. Michelle casually looks up and notices the moon. It's full. Wow, look. She grabs Norman by his shirt collar and pulls him backward with her, tumbling to rest on their backs, looking up on the marble platform. You. What am I looking at? The moon. That I Dude, this is killing me. <laughs> That's I'm, the whole idea. Keep I'm, going. Uh, yeah, but we're like at an hour. I'm five. trying to kill you. Keep going. <laughs> yeah, but didn't you also want to keep these under an hour? Yeah, we got time. All right. Yeah, it's been over an hour. Now we got 11 minutes. Do we really? Yeah, I 
didn't start timing it until we uh, got to the, like, almost starting the actual script. Farts, where are we? Oof, what am I looking at? The moon, the sky, the clouds. I'm an artist. <laughs> <laughs> I'm being my character. I'm the I'm the manic pixie girl before there was such a thing. <laughs> she puts her hands behind her head as a pillow substitute. You Norman follows her. If lead. we did this now, she'd be played by Zoe Deschanel. Yeah. Yeah. Ugh. Uh she puts her hand. Hands behind her head as a pillow substitute. Norman follows her lead. They look up at the sky as they talk. Do you think, Nor- you very- Do you think Norman looks at her first to see that she's doing it and then puts his fucking head behind, hands behind his head? Because, you know, you're writing every little thing that happens. <laughs> oh, that's a, that's a good idea. <laughs> I, never, I never thought of not putting my head on the rock. And looking straight up, like, <laughs> with my head straight back. <laughs> No humanity uh, whatsoever. Are you very much into John Lennon? I wanted to give him my virginity when I was 10. Really? Oh, completely. Then my mom informed me that he had been dead since the day before my second birthday. I can see how that might make a relationship a little difficult. Yeah. Otherwise, a 50-year-old and a 10-year-old could be perfectly happy together. So you've always been a fan. Oh, as long as I can remember. It started as a Beatles thing. I don't think I heard any of his solo stuff until at least high school. But when I did, there was no going back to a hard day's night for me. That's really cool. Stupid, but cool. I just wanted that to be his whole line. Oh, okay. That's really cool. I never really listened to any before the other day. But that song, Love, wow. It's one of his best as far as I'm concerned. How do you have a whole fucking rant about being an elitist snob and then go, yeah, I never really listened to that John Lennon guy at all. Nope. Yeah. Fucking asshole. Well, that's why the, that's what I mean when it's like, you know, paint by numbers in terms of the things that we needed to have the characters have or whatever in order to do this certain thing. And it was like, well, you know, since we're hanging, <laughs> since we're hanging him noticing on the fact that he you know, she also likes this song that Nikon likes that he finds or whatever. We can't have Norman know anything about John Lennon because it can't, because for some reason it can't be. He needs to be the expositional foil. And it can't just be that he likes John Lennon. He just never heard that song before either for some reason. Like he has to have no ever, like never listened to the Beatles. What's a Beatle? Exactly. I've never even heard of the bug. Yeah. Uh, it's one of the best fires I've ever They turn and look at one another as they speak. I couldn't believe how simple it was. Songs are so full of metaphors that try to convey what love is and how it feels, but John Lennon came right out and said it. He put it in such simple terms, yet explained it all perfectly. I wouldn't say perfectly. He was singing it's as someone completely content with his lover. So it's perfect in that respect, but... There's a lot more than that. Like, what about when love feels like when it's not mutual, or, or, or when when it is mutual but you still can't be together, or when the one you love dies? Love isn't about those things. 
Yes. Even unrequited love makes you feel alive when you just focus on the love. I'm not following you. It sucks loving someone who doesn't love you. But that hurt isn't caused by love. Think about the last guy you were in love with who didn't feel the same. Really think about him. You know, focus. Who is it? What's it? No, sorry. <laughs> this is so on the nose. I had to like really point it out. What, 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 were you, what were you talking about? Think about the last guy you were in love with who didn't feel the same. Says the guy that she's in love with that doesn't feel the same. Oh, yeah. Um, but that. But that's what is, we were trying to do, actually. We were trying to be yeah. clever. Trying, yes. Yeah, yeah. But that hurt isn't caused by love. Think about the last guy you were in love with that didn't feel the same. When you thought about him, just him and how you felt about him, did it make you smile? Picturing his face? <laughs> <laughs> she begins to smile now, her eyes closing for a moment. When she opens them, her and Norman are looking directly into each other's eyes, mere inches apart. It makes you happy being in love. What sucks is when your head gets involved. Then disappointment at what can't be seeps in, and maybe it's disguised as a byproduct of love, but it's not. It's just disappointment. If you only think about the love itself or the object of that love, then the song is right. Michelle smiles. It's contagious, and Norman is smiling slightly also as he looks into Michelle's eyes. Their noses touch ever so slightly, and as their noses begin to slowly slide alongside one another, Norman abruptly looks back up to the moon. I, um, that's how I think about me and Kristen. We have our problems, but when I think about how I feel about her, just my feelings, that's when she makes me happy, and I know that things will work themselves out in the end. Michelle looks back up to the sky as well, and a single tear rolls down her cheek, unnoticed by Norman. I'm glad, and you're gay as fuck. So, let's cut this off here. Yeah. Oh, my God. I can't read another word. Dude, we are at the height of outrage for me right now. (laughs) (laughs) A single tear rolls down her cheek. Oh, fuck off. (laughs) <laughs> I mean, bravo to any actress that can pull that kind of shit off, but fuck. Why? Why? Ugh. I'm trying to I think. Mean, that's, that's one of the few things where uh, an audience, audience member would just go, oh, you're fucking kidding me. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So that's our stopping point for this episode. It's really fucking like hard to like imagine now what we were thinking when we wrote this because I don't know. We thought we knew everything about life and love and everything through movies, through cliches of other movies. Yeah. Ugh. And and through our own like childish like relationships imaginings of love. 
And I mean, there's so many parallels in this to our own, like, pseudo-relationships or relationships that never were. Like, my whole four years long infatuation with Tiff played out in there. And, like, it's so obvious to, like... I mean, obvious is not obvious to, like, an audience member because they don't know what we... You know, who we know and what we've done, but... I mean, I guess I can see how we were really trying to write what we knew. But what we knew just wasn't that interesting or we didn't pay enough attention to it to really know what it was. I feel like we, you know... There's a lot of fantasy in here, but we knew that we had to be realistic, so we kind of, you know, wrote in this what we thought, you know, reality was. Like, not reality, but realistic, I guess is the right word. And it, it's shocking how, uh, I mean, the things that we were comparing, or, or not comparing, but drawing from, were some of the best movies, you know, that did that genre. We were we were trying to copy the best of the best. It was like, well, that's who you got to copy. Yeah, you got to copy the best. And the thing about that is that <laughs> when you don't when when what you do do isn't the best, but it's copying the best, it really shows when it's not so good. The things that suck about it. Yeah, and you know, um, uh, oh, I had a point and I forgot what it was. I'm sorry. <laughs> you didn't have a point. Come on. No, I did. What was it about? I don't remember. Sure. I was just going to let you finish and then jump back to it, but I was paying attention to you, so that lost wow. whatever I was thinking. That almost never happens. I know. Well, Sean, I think uh, I think this is a good you know place for us to stop anyway. We were, uh, we, we'll be back for episode eight and uh, of Urban Folktale. Who knows? We might finish it. I think we have maybe... My guess is we have two more episodes of this uh, to get through this script, right? Maybe. We have uh, 60 pages left. Okay. Yeah, you know what? I think uh, I think if we jump right into the next one when we do that, if and when we do that, and, and don't have too much commentary at the beginning, uh, we could accomplish that in two episodes. But uh, I've been wrong before. It'll certainly happen again. Anything else to add, buddy? Yes. Um I wanted to say to everyone, uh, subscribe on iTunes. Uh, listen to us at soundcloud.com slash Ferris Wheelhouse. Um, and check us on Twitter at The Ferris House. There you go. All right, guys. We'll see you on the next one of these table reads with Sean McBee and Trevor Thompson. Bye. This podcast was created by Sean McBee and produced by Ferris Wheelhouse. <laughs> Fuck. <laughs>